0: You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor
1: Mike. Luke chapter 6 is where we're at this morning. Have you ever broken the rules? So in verse 1 it says, Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. So this is kind of an interesting, (laughs) this kind of interesting phrase that that Luke uses here to start out with. He he says that it's the, the second Sabbath after the first. Actually, in the Greek, it's the first second, the first second Sabbath. Now that doesn't mean a lot to us. It probably meant a lot to Luke and those who were reading this. And Luke is always trying to give a timestamp and kind of giving validity to help us to understand when things happened, you know, who was governing what when these things took place. And, And so Luke, as a historian, makes this distinction. Probably what he's talking about when he says the first second Sabbath was that after the second day of first fruits. Because there was a Sabbath, the first day of first fruits was a Sabbath. So the second day of first fruits, they call the next Sabbath the first second, and then the second second, and then the third second, and then the fourth second, and the fifth second, all the way to the seventh second, which was the day before Pentecost, and that's how they counted off the Sabbaths before Pentecost. This is what they called them for whatever reason, and so that's probably what we're looking at is the right after the feast of first fruits, and it tells us here that they're doing something interesting maybe a little bit sketchy they're walking through somebody else's grain field and they're picking the grain and eating it now this is a is an interesting thing i mean could you just go into your neighbor's yard and just start picking their apples or picking their peaches without their permission it'd be a little sketchy wouldn't it you know you might they might get out there and you might hear a click click or you might hear hey i'm calling the cops get out of my yard or whatever you know i mean it's just kind of a weird thing to go into somebody else's field and pick their fruit you know, I've seen people alongside the road, you know, grabbing corn, you know, off of the field. You know, as they're like going to somebody's field and they're picking off corn. And I'm thinking that's really funny because that's cattle corn. And they probably think they're going to get, you know, white corn or something. But, but, you know, it's just not something that you see as an honest thing to do. However, this tells us a couple of things. One is, in the, in the land of Israel, the law was that you could you could glean in your neighbor's field if you were poor that's interesting it tells us in deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 25 when you come to your neighbor's standing grain you may pluck the heads with your hand but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain so you can't go and you know harvest your neighbor's crop to be against the law but you can pluck it in fact they would use this as kind of the welfare system of the day and so if you couldn't afford to eat food And you think about Jesus who's traveling with many disciples. He didn't just have the 12. You know, I think a lot of times we, maybe we watch the movies where Jesus is walking around with his 12 disciples, you know. But we're going to see later on in this chapter that Jesus actually picked the 12 out of the multitude of disciples. And there was probably, could be 50 to 100, maybe 200 people following Jesus. Later on, he's going to pick 70 of them that aren't the 12 to send out and do some special work. And so this is a large group of people. They're all following Jesus, and literally they have no place to stay. They don't have a compound, you know, with machine guns and stuff like that. No, they're they're just wandering around from place to place, camping on the Mount of Olives, camping out in the fields, staying in people's houses if people have you know would house them. But Jesus didn't have anywhere. He told Remember, he says that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so Jesus wasn't living in opulence, as some would say. His disciples were hungry because they hadn't eaten anything. They probably didn't have any food. And so they were going through the field and they were picking grain and eating it. And that was completely lawful as long as you didn't have a sickle, you know, out there trying to harvest it. And so the Pharisees, verse 2 says, some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And it was lawful to, to glean grain, but in their mind, It wasn't okay to do it on the Sabbath. And that's because they took an extreme view of the writings of the law. In fact, they had the Talmud and the Mishnah that added all the rules to do with, the commentaries on the law, that kind of explained what the rules were to keep the rules. In fact, you weren't even permitted, the Talmud tells us, that you're not permitted to spit on the ground, lest you turn the dirt and be guilty of plowing. So you can't do that. Jesus would do that. He'd spit on the ground and make some mud. The spirit of the law was given so that man could have rest. That's the idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the rest that the Lord would give them. But to them, pleasing God was trying to keep the law to the smallest detail. You have to understand, Jesus isn't wandering around with his, his disciples just trying to break the laws. And, you know, they understood, you know, as they walked with Jesus and these, they're taught by Jesus, they understood the grace that he had. In fact, they were probably just following his example. He probably did this before they did, but once again, the Pharisees don't go to Jesus, the leader, with the complaint. They work the perimeter and they ask the disciples. They go up to some of the disciples and say, "Hey, you know, why is your master doing this? Why are they doing that?" Because they want to, they want to cast doubt upon Jesus. They don't like him. They see their influence is waning. They're concerned about what Jesus is going to do, and so they're they're trying to. Paint Jesus as a rule breaker. Their evil intent was to make him seem disqualified for not enforcing the rules. You always have to wonder about those who work the perimeter. Working the perimeter, talking, trying to pull people away from ministry. Always be wary of those who work the perimeter. Verse 3, it says, But Jesus answered them, saying, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him how he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any, but the to eat. Now, maybe you remember the stories in 1 Samuel chapter 21 where David is fleeing from Saul. He, he's, he's already been anointed king when he was younger. He was playing before Saul, and Saul kept throwing spears at him, remember? And, and he's like, man, he tells Jonathan, your dad wants to kill me. He's like, no, my dad, he doesn't want to kill you. And so they do this little test, this whole story. They do this test, and it turns out, yes, Saul does want to kill David. And so David takes some men, and he flees, but they don't take any provisions with them. And they get to this land. There's this city of Nob, and they, they need some food, and they come to Ahimelech, where the tabernacle is. And they said, hey, do you have any provisions? You have five loaves of bread. And he said, we don't have any. He says, "All I have is the consecrated bread. All I have is the show bread that goes before the Lord. And of course, they would set out 12 loaves of bread in the presence of the Lord, fresh-baked bread, and then when, when it was time to change it out, they would take that bread and the priest and, and high priest and his sons would eat it. And that's what it tells us, the, the, the purpose of this bread. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 32 through 34, it says, Then Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram, and that's the sacrifices, and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them, but an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecrated offering or of the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire, and it shall not be eaten because it is holy. And so David and Ahimelech broke the law in a time of need. You have to understand that after this, David never thought it was his right or his privilege to go into the house of the Lord, into the tabernacle, anytime he wanted to, and eat showbread. He's like, oh, I ate it one time, and God didn't strike me dead. I can eat it whenever I want to. That was never on his heart. He he was not a lawbreaker in the sense that he's going to go back and do this again and again and again. But for some reason, and in that moment, Ahimelech knew... And, and, and David knew that the heart of God for his people and for a need was more important than keeping the letter of the law. And, and they just knew that. They knew when it was okay to keep the rules, when it wasn't okay to keep the rules. And, and I, I would submit to you that there's a difference. There's a difference between a stranger and a friend. And there's a difference between a stranger and a son. A huge difference, isn't there? You know, if I were to come into my room and there was or into my living room and there was a child sitting on my couch eating food on my couch, I would probably just call the cops. Because my kids would never eat food on my couch. They know that's not that's against the rules. So this is some other kid, I don't even know how he got in my house. Why is he in my house? I'm not going to interrogate him or anything. I'll probably go, hey, where are you from, buddy? What's going on? You need something? To eat? Let's go to the table. You know, don't eat on my couch, you know? And and then I call the cops and figure out where this kid belongs. because He doesn't belong in my house, right? It's unlawful for him to eat on my couch. It's unlawful for him to be in my house. However, if it's one of my children, then it's going to be different, right? Because children have different privileges than strangers. And for us, if we have a foster child in our house, of course, with my children, I'm going to kiss them and put them to bed, right? And foster kids, I'll kiss them and put them to bed. But if my kid eats on the couch, I'm going to give him a spank. And if my foster kid eats on the couch, I'm going to train him to say, hey, we don't eat on the couch. i do not going to spank somebody else's kid.
0: Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208 365 0991 or send us a text at 208 991.